0: Welcome to our Sunday morning segment of the Grace Chapel podcast. If you would like more information about Grace Chapel, visit their website, gracechapel.org.au. There you can find more materials in growing your identity in Christ. Okay, last time that we were talking together, we, uh, we finished up talking about uh, our words, and uh, our words can either condemn or justify us, so they're really uh, very important. Our, our, our conversation shapes the kind of person we are, and also shapes how we will appear at the seat of judgment. If we just go to Matthew chapter 12, we're just going to read a couple of verses out of Matthew chapter 12 starting verse 36 and Jesus talking. He said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. You say, okay, well, what's that really telling us? And what it's really saying is that our conversation shapes the kind of person that we are. It also shapes how we will appear at the seat of judgment. A positive confession, seasoned with grace and patience and and the goodness of God, will build a character of holiness and ultimate victory, while speech that is negative and full of fear and unbelief is destined ultimately for the wrath of God. We have to ask the question, is our walk affected by our talk? Or is our talk affected by our walk? For what we say and what we do profoundly affect us. And now uh, uh, I think in 2 Corinthians and, and chapter five verse 17, it speaks of a new beginning. And so we need to understand that our words do condemn or justify us. Our true character will always be visible to everyone, and the full effect of our speech will ultimately be seen by all. Um, It's not so much what we say when we're in church, it's what we say wherever we are. It's our unguarded words that really show the true evidence of our character. Uh, Notice that Jesus made the statement, he said, we have to render an account of every careless word we utter. This means every unguarded word, every every thoughtless word, every word that just blurts out of us. And the person who just says whatever comes to their mind, regardless of whether they're good or bad words, whether they're gracious or vicious, is described in the book of James. And if, we just, uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, we just go to the book of James for a moment, and, uh, and we'll see what James has to say there. If I can find it, it used to be here somewhere. Where are you, James? I've lost the book of James, it was here before. Peter, Peter, here we go, James. And we're just going to, to, to James uh, chapter 3, and verses, uh, we're just going to read a few verses here. Chapter 3 of James, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, um, (laughs) be careful if you want to be a ruler. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits into horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about the whole body. Take a look at ships, though they be so great, driven by fierce winds, yet they're turned about with a very small helm, whatever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell." For every kind of beast, birds, serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, if it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therefore we bless God, even the Father, and curse men, which are made after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. And so, it's very, look, words are very important. Words are very important. And uh, and we've all come across people that just say whatever they want to say when they want to say it. They don't care who they offend or what they do. But we need to understand our real character is affected by our daily conversation. And when the Bible speaks uh, of conversation here, it's really talking about our whole manner of living. It's not just what comes out of our mouth. It's... Uh, it's um, uh, what do we present? Do we present aggressiveness or kindness? What, you know, how, how do we present what we're saying? And, um, and we have to understand that uh, anyone or everyone can speak graciously and politely when they're either at church or they're, or their guests uh, at a particular event. But how do you speak when church is over? How's your daily speech when the special occasions are gone? It's your careless words that reveal the real you, and God requires us to curb our natural speech and submit it to the Holy Spirit, that we may be glory to Christ, who is ever in us. And so, so we, we have to keep coming back to the Scriptures all the time. If we just go to, we're just going to go to the Book of Ephesians for a moment, and uh, you know, the Book of Ephesians is a favorite. We, we, we love to read it, don't we, you know? We love to, love to come to that part that's a, at the beginning of Ephesians where, um, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. And, and, and we, we love to talk about that. We love to talk about those particular uh, pieces of Scripture. And, um, but as we move on, Uh, We go into, say, Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, just starting at verse 17, and going through to verse 25. It says, This I say therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you henceforth, or from now on, walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not learned that from Christ. If so it be that you've heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the whole manner of living, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And let you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And then it gives good advice. that says, look, if you're going to get angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And so uh, getting angry is not the problem. Uh, we we get angry at various things we see, and, and righteous anger uh, causes us to rise up and perhaps do something that needs to be done. But uh, to to get angry with people and hold to the anger, very very dangerous. And then if we go to Colossians, we move on from Ephesians onto on to Colossians. Get through the book of Philippians, we come to come further. We go to the, the book of Colossians, and, and and we have the same thing basically said. We have to choose to throw off the old nature and put on the new. It's a choice that we make. In Mark uh, chapter seven, again we we have an interesting little story here because words words have the ability to work miracles and uh, too too often we don't really operate the way God has directed that we should. And so when we go back into Mark chapter 7, uh, just starting at verse 24, <coughs> it says, From thence he arose and went to the waters of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and uh, would have no man know it, <coughs> but he couldn't be hidden. And it says, uh, A certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. She was a, a Sy- Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Jesus said, let the children first be filled, <coughs> for it's not proper to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And this is quite an insult that he uh, sent to this lady. She has come. She's looking for, she's looking for something from him. Her daughter's not well. And, uh, and he basically calls her a dog, which means she was outside of Israel and, and not entitled. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so words have enormous power. And uh, 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 she, she replied, she said, yes, but, but uh, even the dogs under the table uh, are able to eat the crumbs that the children drop. And Jesus, Jesus was, was amazed at her reply. And he could have responded in uh, any manner of ways uh, he could have he could have in a sense just dismissed her. You're not entitled to the blessings that uh, that Israel would, would be entitled to but she said the right thing Even the, even the puppies, even the little dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the table and Her right saying drew the response that brought a miracle of healing. There is no substitute for speaking aloud a word of faith. Thinking it, or hoping for it, that's not enough. It's the spoken word that triggers the promise of God. And Jesus made it clear. By your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be condemned. I'm just reminded of... uh, uh, a few years ago, went over in in Kenya, and uh, I was taken into Kibera, into the slum. And I've told this story many times over the years, but I was taken to the bottom of the slum area. This is an area where effluent uh, runs into the houses when it rains, because the water builds up and it just uh, floods into the little the little shacks. They're so just uh, just very small rooms, mostly made of corrugated iron, pretty rusty at that and people living in probably about the worst conditions that you can imagine in the world. And and so I was taken into this place and, and I had with me, uh, I think there was four, three or four of the African pastors, the Kenyan pastors, and uh, as we walked into this uh, into this hovel, uh, which was uh, darkened because no, no windows, so the only light coming through was the light of the door, and... They lined up against the wall uh, as far from from where this woman was as they could get, and they said, "Look, don't go close. Don't go close. You'll you'll get sick." Uh, this woman was in the latter stages of HIV/AIDS. She was um, she was expected to, to live only a few more days. She so was very very thin, very small, and as I approached the bed, like I say, they were calling out, "Don't go near. Don't go near." But I just uh, I just really felt. Uh, I really felt moved by the spirit of God, and and I approached, and I could see this black blob uh, lying on the on the white sheet, and so I just reached down and actually picked her up, and uh, and I just drew her close to me. I I hugged her close to me, and I kissed her, and I told her God loves you, and I love you, and. Uh, and, from a, and, a, and a, from a prayer point of view, it was a pretty poor prayer. <laughs> it was just mainly, look, God loves you and I love you. And, and, and held her, just held her. And um, amazingly, two days later, <clears throat> she was out walking around. And now, years later, I was just talking to one of the, one of the uh, pastors in the Kibera Slum, just on Facebook the other day, and asked, how, how is Jennifer these days? And he said, "Jennifer is stronger than ever," and so it's an amazing thing, isn't it? So, it's uh, it's it's what we choose, and and our confession of faith is what justifies us, and and if we if we have a confession of unbelief, then that will ultimately condemn us. And so we need to understand there are three stages of developing faith, three stages of developing faith. If we just go to we're just going to go to the Book of Romans, if you, if you're still with me, we're going to go to Romans chapter 10, and we're just going to read a couple of, a couple of verses from there, starting at verse 18. Oh, sorry, verse 8. Verse 8. We'll start at verse 8, and it, here it says, uh, "But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even your mouth, in your heart." that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of him that bring the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, truly, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? For first Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he said, all day long, I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And And so Israel was condemned by the fact that they were saying the wrong thing. But what comes out of our mouth is, generally speaking, what's in our heart. And that's what we really need to understand. And so we need to personalize the promise. We need to understand that God has given us promises, but we have to personalize them. We have to operate them. And if we go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, it says simply, My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And so... So, if we're going to come to God, if we're going to if we're going to call on God, call on Jesus, first we need to identify our need. So we need to we need to establish I need such and such. You know, I, I need help here. I need help there. Personalise the promise. My God knows what I need, and and uh, He cares for me. Uh, the Bible tells you that uh, that even a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without. God is aware of it, so God knows what I need. So I need to find His promise. I need to personalize that promise. Then I need to apply the promise. And so I have to. I have to come to that point where I say, "Look, I will put my trust in the Lord. I'll put my trust in the Lord. That's what it's all about." And so, uh, and so, uh, next time we come together, we shall have a look at a further example, and we'll. Uh, We'll explore perhaps a more broad uh, example of the promise. Amen. Please tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message from Grace Chapel. Bye for now.